0: Where's My name is Aaron McMullen, and you are listening to the very first ever episode of Mondo Christ Almighty, a podcast devoted entirely to the frequently wild and weird and wonderful world of cinematic, or primarily cinematic, representations of Jesus Christ. Over the course of the next however many episodes, I'm going to be analysing, contextualising, critiquing, meditating upon uh, films either directly or indirectly, explicitly or implicitly about Jesus Christ Almighty. The way, the truth, the life, Emmanuel himself. The films that I hope to cover over the weeks and months ahead are a disparate bunch of lads altogether. Uh, Some are very strange, very experimental, others are more traditional in their approach. Some are animated, some are live action, uh, some take the form of extended monologues, Others are proper epics with budgets from here to Ezekiel's wheel to play around with. Uh, Some might propose to cover the entire width and breadth of the life of Christ, from the manger to the cross, as the title of one very early example has it. Uh, Others might lock in on specific events or specific episodes, They might deal primarily with Christ's ministry, and ignore a lot of the before, and a lot of the after. They might train their focus exclusively upon the passion, or the suffering, of Christ. Or, as in 2015's Last Days in the Desert, they might narrow their scope even further, so that only Christ's period in the wilderness is dramatized. Some of these films might follow the Gospel line, inasmuch as they present Jesus Christ as the Son of God, and they present events documented in the Gospels as things that have indeed happened, at one time or another, in the world in which we live. Or they might not do that. They may be films which pivot around a literal portrayal of Jesus Christ, or they may play around with allegory and metaphor They may present protagonists, human or otherwise, that are not the literal Jesus, but are very transparently imbued with specific Christ-like attributes. Uh, In in scholarship related to the genre, this is basically formulated as the difference between the Jesus figure and the Christ figure. In his book uh, Screen Jesus, Portrayals of Christ in Television and Film, Peter Malone, leaning on the definitions advanced by Malachi Martin in his own book, Jesus Now, breaks the distinction down as follows. The Jesus figure is any representation of Jesus himself. This might be a, quote, realistic portrayal, which presents Jesus as he was thought to be, or it may be a stylized portrayal, in which Malone writes, Jesus is presented in contemporary or in deliberately unrealistic settings or in any artistic way. By contrast, the Christ figure, says Malone, is, quote, a character from history, fiction, visual arts, poetry, drama, music, cinema, who is presented as resembling Jesus in a significant way. So basically, we're talking about the difference between, say, Cecil B. DeMille's The King of Kings and Paul Verhoeven's Robocop. The former revolves around a Jesus figure, the latter a Christ figure. And some of the more interesting contributions to the genre play about with the porosity between these distinctions, weaving together the Jesus figure and the Christ figure in various thought-provoking ways. Um, I'm thinking primarily of the likes of Jesus of Montreal, for example, in which the protagonist is a Christ figure, but also, by dint of the fact that the narrative revolves around a contentious passion play, in which he takes the lead, A Jesus figure. Most of the films I'll be talking about will prioritise Jesus figures over Christ figures, but some of them, every so often, will take a third path. These will be films in which there, there isn't really any Jesus figure or Christ figure at their core, but they are films which nonetheless engage with the philosophy and theology espoused by the biblical Jesus Christ, To a significant extent, and they may occasionally be elevated, in that respect, by what we might describe as a wee sort of Jesus cameo. So the film's not really about Jesus as such, but he just sort of shows up for a moment, for whatever reason, and his presence often casts a spell over what went before and what will come after. Um, There are many films in which these sorts of, uh, let's say, Jesus interventions rip through proceedings at one point or another. Um, Some of them extremely surreal, like certain of Benwell's films. Some of them operating within a very realist sort of mode. As is the case with Abel Ferrara's prodigiously repellent and upsetting Bad Lieutenant. Uh, If you've seen Bad Lieutenant, you will remember Harvey Keitel collapsing in an otherwise empty church and wheeling on with such ferocity that Christ himself is left with no option but to materialise before him right there and then. Although, given the barrage of X-rated abuse he then receives, he probably ended up wishing he hadn't bothered. You fuck. You grat... Fuck you, Rick. Fuck! You fucking stand there and you want me to do every fucking thing? Where were you? Where the fuck were you? Where were you? Not the first time that Jesus has received an earful from Harvey Keitel. You'd think after Last Temptation of Christ, he'd have known to stay out the bloody road. But there you go. Generally, what you can expect from an episode of Mondo Christ Almighty as the series danders on down the gospel road is an in-depth look at at least one, but most often two, sometimes three, uh, films or portions of films that will each occupy at least one of those spaces I've just mapped out. Uh, Now, the films covered in any given episode may have been produced decades apart. Uh, In some cases, there may be an entire century separating the release of one from the release of the other. But each will be read with and against the next, Uh, to allow me to interrogate or explore particular themes, particular ideas. Maybe there are parallels that I wish to underscore. Maybe there are very telling differences that I wish to poke about with. Um, Maybe there's a particular part of a particular gospel or a particular tenet of Christian belief or ideology that I want to focus upon and see how different productions, sometimes wildly different productions, deal with that same material, those same ideas. But regardless of whatever else might be going on, I'll be looking at each of these films first and foremost within the wider context of the Jesus film as a loosely defined genre. Now, the question of whether or not it actually is a genre as opposed to a subgenre or a hybrid genre, is one that we will probably return to quite often, because it's not especially easy to answer. Certainly, it is the case that most of the films we'll be looking at, uh, whilst absolutely Jesus films, of whatever stripe, also straddle and intersect and pull from the tropes and visual grammar and traditions and cliches of a whole host of other genres. And do so with such tremendous zeal, in some cases, that it can be quite hard to situate them. And that's one of the things that I find most fascinating about Jesus films, is that very hybridity, that fluidity. Now, granted, most any genre will behave like that, But not every genre behaves like that whilst retaining at its core this very specific set of iconographic, thematic and philosophical components. But the Jesus film mostly does. I mean we we will get into genre theory and things like this as the opportunities arise, uh, but for now I think it's enough for me to say that I consider every film to be discussed throughout this series to be a Jesus film, or a bud on a branch thereof. In my personal collection, they're all gathered together in the one place, and that one place is where the Jesus films in my collection live. Even though there may be huge differences between this title and the one sitting right beside it. God is inside of us. The devil is outside us in the world all around us. We'll pick up an axe and cut the devil's throat. We'll fight him wherever he is. In the sick, in the rich, even in the temple. I'll lead you. If you have sheep, give them away. If you have a family, leave them. What I'm not going to be doing uh, is presenting a linear chronology across these episodes. Uh, This podcast is not a chronological history of filmic representations of Jesus. That's not what this is. That's not what I'm interested in doing. If that is what you're after, um, there are plenty of fantastic resources available, both online and off plenty of books on the topic exist. Uh, I've mentioned a couple already. Also, uh, an extremely generous and erudite fellow called Matt Page has a blog at biblefilms.blogspot.com, which has a phenomenal amount of material in the form of reviews, um, some podcasts, which I will say, are are, are quite different in tone to this one, um, and various other educational resources, all of which are presented free of charge. On my own website, mondochristalmighty.com, I will also be publishing, uh, in tandem with the release of each episode, a series of bibliographies, filmographies, video clips, links to relevant articles, whatever happens to be appropriate. Now, it may well be the case uh, that by this point, you're wondering, look, who the hell are you? Why the hell should we listen to a word you say? Very fair questions. On me, first of all, um, my background is in academic film studies with a smattering of continental philosophy on top. Uh, my research interests are mainly sort of cults horror, exploitation cinema, mondo cinema, queer cinema, um, affect, spectatorship, ethics, all that sort of stuff. Um, But I'm also extremely interested in the intersection between religion and cinema. And so far, uh, where my work has been concerned, religion has tended to denote Judeo-Christian belief systems. For me, All of those areas are in dialogue with each other or will enter dialogue with each other if you nudge them the right direction, if you dangle the right carrots before them. And I will be encouraging those conversations and those dialogues as this series proceeds. As for the second question, why should you listen to me? Um, Well, one of the reasons might be that I am, if you'll pardon the pun, incredibly passionate about these films. Jesus films are some of my very favourite films of all time. And why? Well, partly because of that aforementioned hybridity. The fact that any given production can incorporate elements of melodrama, of historical epic, of horror cinema, of expressionism, of social realism, how they can be baroque as be damned, one minute, and almost verite like the next. Uh, I love how they merge the tactile, immediate, visceral qualities of the so-called low or body genres with the psychological, philosophical, spiritual preoccupations of more self-consciously intellectual sort of arthouse fare. I love how formally uh, inventive and unpredictable they can often be. I love how they evoke simultaneously this sense of extreme proximity to Christ, especially as he endures whatever privations and torments the film might have in store for him, and at the same time, this sense of extreme distance, for the body of Christ is, of course, Uh, charged at all times with gesturing towards the infinite, which simply cannot be represented. So, in a lot of cases, um, however interesting the stuff within the frame may be, what's even more interesting, as often as not, is how that stuff is interacting with the other stuff that's going on not within the frame, but just beyond the edges. I find all of that extremely exciting. Furthermore, I mean, these are films that, at their core, are about uh, oppression and resistance, about radical notions and dangerous ideas that scare the shit out of those in positions of authority. And that's partly why I find the relatively recent emergence of what we might call the uh, faith-based issue movie Um, the likes of Unplanned and God's Not Dead and what have you not, so objectionable. For here, we find the incendiary, uh, revolutionary rhetoric of both the biblical Christ and the Jesus of so many Jesus films hijacked and replaced with a bunch of reactionary, often wildly misogynistic, deeply conservative, heteronormative, family values, horse shit. It's like all of these uh, incredibly cynical evangelical producers and directors have just shoved their hands into the back of Christ's head and they're manipulating his mouth with their fingers and thumbs and getting him to say all sorts of garbage he would never have said in a million years. The Jesus Christ of the Gospel according to Matthew or of Jesus of Nazareth, for example, would have walked out of something like God's Not Dead 2 within the first five minutes. I came into this world to give sight to those who cannot see and to take away sight from those who can. What do you mean by that? That we who are righteous are blind? If you were blind, you would be without sin. But since you say we see, your sin remains. I do think uh, it it is also necessary to say, if it isn't already obvious, that I am not approaching these films from any sort of faith-based perspective. Which is to say, I'm not a Christian. Uh, There is no Christian faith or religious faith of any description weighing upon my readings or analyses or interpretations of these particular pieces of work. I am very enamoured of Christianity in many respects, um, despite the fact I grew up in Northern Ireland throughout the 1980s and the 1990s. The Gospel of Luke says, Judge a tree by its fruit. And if the fruit of Christianity was certain parts of Northern Ireland throughout the 1980s and 90s, well then that tree was for fuck all but the skip. That was my thinking. But I was always very taken with a lot of the iconography and the mythology and even the politics. Um, And as a young sort of punk rock obsessed uh, Billy Bragg idolising socialist, um, a lot of what Matthew's Christ in particular had to say, spoke very loudly to me indeed, uh, and louder still when Pasolini was holding the mic. Over time, uh, that kind of blossomed into an ongoing discourse with Christianity, which continues to this day. I mean, nowadays I can very happily spend quite a lot of time Rattling on with anyone who wishes to rattle uh, about religion and theology and Christology and Christian erotics and all this sort of goose. Uh, But that doesn't make me a Christian and this is not a Christian podcast. Um, Not that Christianity has a monopoly on Jesus anyway, uh, even within the major Abrahamic religions, that isn't true. I mean, you probably know yourself that the Quran, for example, has a whole bunch to say about Jesus and indeed about Mary and the virgin birth and all the rest. And it's not all that different from what the Christian Gospels have to say about those things. And we'll come to talk about that uh, a wee bit more in the next episode when we will be looking at an extremely interesting uh, Islamic take on the Jesus film. However, uh, with all of that said, if you are joining me and you are bringing a faith along with you, uh, thank you. I mean, I hope you enjoy the podcast. I hope you get something from it. Uh, I hope if nothing else, it maybe inspires you to think about certain films that you may already be very familiar with in a slightly different light. And I hope it directs you towards some films you maybe weren't so familiar with and might find that you get a lot from. I'm also quite sure, though, that some of the films I'll be discussing um, are films that uh, many people of faith would never dream of watching and would probably rather didn't exist. And that's perfectly fine, too. I mean, regardless of the content of some of these things... I certainly won't be going out of my way to insult or offend um, unless you're one of these people who just use religion as a justification for your own pre-existing bigotry. In which case, I really don't care if you're offended or you're not. And I doubt you're listening to this anyway. But, yes, some of these films do contain material that a lot of people would find distasteful, to say the least. Um, One of them... Nigel Wingrove's Visions of Ecstasy was effectively banned in the UK for 23 years because the British Board of Film classification worried that it would fall foul of British blasphemy laws. And that didn't happen away back in the year, you know, 1700 and shit when people were watching films on lumps of turf. This is a film that was produced in 1989 and wasn't made legally available in the UK until 2012, which is quite astonishing. Uh, Other films to be discussed include a very bizarre but very beautiful film uh, which imagines a vampire Jesus, among many other things. Another imagines Jesus as a vampire hunter in present-day Ottawa. Now, they're not all like that. Uh, We're also going to be looking at a lot of far more recognizably reverent sorts of pictures but now and again the odd number might crop up that might cause the hackles on your crucifix uh, to to shiver just a touch Um, although it's also true that some of the more controversial numbers are in fact far more in tune with the message of the gospels than some of the more outwardly performatively pious offerings in the new millennium Vampires no longer fear the sun. Now they're going to learn. It's time to fear the son of God! So just very briefly, uh, I want to go back for a moment uh, to what I said earlier about that intersection between religion and cinema because I think it's extremely pertinent to the whole project of this podcast. Personally, I tend to agree very strongly with Brannon Hancock. Uh, Brannon Hancock is a pastor and academic, and he wrote a fascinating essay which really resonated with me, an essay subtitled, Eucharistic Possibility in a Post-Ecclesial World. And in that essay, he basically argues that in the postmodern West, it's not so much that we've gone beyond Christianity and sort of left it behind, if you like. It's that Christianity has essentially overspilled its vessel. So what we used to look for in church, we now look for elsewhere. But we're still essentially looking for the same thing. He talks about a number of ostensibly secular pursuits and their attendant rituals as manifestations of what he refers to as the religious urge. The urge that he says, and I quote, "...inspires us all to participate in practices that draw us into the presence of the divine, that which is essentially ineffable, unnameable and incomprehensible." inviting us beyond ourselves into an encounter with the impossible. So that's what he says. Uh, cinema going, in which individuals gather in a designated space, set aside for this specific act of communion, where engagement with time spaces other than those inhabited by the spectator is made possible, where engagement with exalted bodies existing outside of our immediate present is made possible, naturally figures quite prominently among Hancock's list of cultural phenomena born of this religious urge. Now, it may be quite on the nose to think of Jesus film spectatorship in particular in that way, um, but on the nose or off, I think it makes a lot of sense to sort of keep that in mind, and it's something I am going to be worrying away at, as this mondo Christ Almighty finds its footing. This is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. Now I don't want to overcomplicate things, uh, if I haven't already done so, but I will say that uh, every so often I might throw a leg out to the left or to the right, to look at how other characters who are strongly associated with Jesus and the Gospel narratives uh, are represented across a number of features. In particular, I intend to pay fairly close attention uh, to certain representations of Judas Iscariot and Mary Magdalene, and most exciting of all, for me, uh, the Mother of Christ herself, the Virgin Mary. ...who has been played by everyone from an uncredited Linda Darnell in 1943's The Song of Bernadette... ...to Sinead O'Connor in Neil Jordan's 1997 adaptation of Patrick McCabe's The Butcher Boy. But, that's enough for now. If you like the sound of all of this, uh, please do hit the follow or subscribe or whatever it is that you hit on whatever it is that you use... Uh, please bookmark the website mondochristalmighty.com which will be updated with stuff fairly frequently. I'm Aaron McMullen. This has been Mondo Christ Almighty. Thank you very much for listening.